Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field. Start out with a crop report as usual to look into the south, and we're calling the south, I guess, from Maroa South. Uh, a lot of guys are looking to finish up the crop in general by the weekend, so that's uh, pretty good news for them to put this one in the in the books. Here in the midsection, I guess you would say we're about 80 to 90 percent done with beans and about 30 percent done with corn. Uh, again, southern McLean County, northern Dewitt County, yields are hanging in there pretty good. Um, there are some dry spots that got us knocked around a little bit, but I think everybody's seeing better yields than they expect. I talked to uh, Gary Rabidou up at Ritchie Garing in Wilmington, and he says they're about 95% done with beans. Uh, and the beans right now, according to their... Uh, Numbers at the elevator, about two bushel to the acre under where they were last year, so that's pretty good. They're only about 25% done with corn. At the same time last year, he said they were 95% done with corn, so it kind of gives you a perspective of how they're doing and how I guess the whole area is doing compared to last year. He thought the beans are going to be in that 60 bushel range. The corn yields are strong, and even the replanted spots that are coming in are, are strong in yield as well. So he's encouraged that they got a lot of good corn ahead of them. Slide on over to Iroquois County. Talk to Fred at Donovan Co-op. He thinks they're about 80% done with the soybeans. They're sitting on a 3-inch rain delay right now. The soybeans are in that 50 to 70 bushel range until you get north and east in that belt that's having a lot of trouble there. 30 to 40 bushel beans up there. Uh, still got a long way to go on the corn, but it looks like the corn's going to be 200 plus for them as well. So that's exciting. Plot harvest, as well as have been kind of slowed up here with the rains. Uh, we're kind of in the middle of it, uh, approaching maybe the halfway mark. Uh, this week we did take some more planting studies out on soybeans, studies where we started April 10th and went to uh, May 29th. Uh, and just as a lot of you guys are reporting in, the plot showed the same thing with the same variety planted every week. Uh, we started in the mid-80s and we drifted on down to the mid-60s uh, with the last planting the last week in May. And uh, we'll look at that in more detail with we put all these studies together. But definitely supports what a lot of you guys are talking about, your early April beans doing better than your mid-May beans itself. Got some areas where it looks like nitrogen is going to make a pretty big difference as well as we work on our nitrogen plots. Kind of depends on what your spring conditions were and maybe uh, how much trouble you got into there. But seeing some good responses to the nitrogen uh, on some of those plot fronts. We are getting some reports in on corn standability slipping away on us. Uh, some corn starting to go down. Uh, in some cases with the wind last Saturday knocking some fields down itself. Um, some fields aren't going to take much if conditions turn uh, against us as we pick up some wind and of course that's following up on this moisture as well and time is just showing uh, showing it it's wear and tear on this crop as well did have a couple three reports of dropped ears uh, where corn is dropping ears on the ground and uh, in all cases it's actually been non-traded corn and the drop here is coming from corn borer uh, so that's something we haven't talked about in a long time is dropped ears due to corn borer damage itself. Uh, all along though you're going to have to keep up your scouting, scouting for standability and scouting for eardrop uh, as we, especially you guys in the north where we got 70-80% of this corn crop left to come out, we got to pay attention to which fields are going to be the highest on priority from week to week. So don't forget to, to keep up with the scouting.
tillage is rolling along in a lot of areas um, and, and uh, guys are getting their their tillage caught up even behind the combines don't forget uh, again for you guys that uh, need soil testing we'd like to get the soil testing done before you put the tillage to it but one thing I want to remind you vertical till guys uh, out there that are be running harrows instead of soil finishers next spring remember we need full width shatter in that top four to six inches of the soil so as we pick up these rains and we lose some traction out of that got to be careful um, when we start shallowing up machines that you're still getting a full width shatter so the only way to make sure that's happening of course is get off the machine and get behind it do some digging make sure we're getting the full width shatter uh, that we're looking for itself got a lot of guys filling in gullies from last spring's rains and, and we talked about that some uh, this spring when those rains were taking place we carved up a lot of fields now of course if these are tilled fields that's not as big a deal you're tilling through it and you're filling in the gullies in some cases though we had gullies in a lot of no-till and strip-till fields that had to be uh, filled in this fall or will be filled in this fall now one of the things you, we talked about it earlier this year but you might think if these are fields that are giving you perennial problems every time we get those kind of rainfalls that one maybe there should be a waterway there but in some of these gullies maybe you could put in a farmable waterway something you could farm through which means that after you get them filled in let's go out there right now and seed them to cereal rye or wheat so um, we can get some growth on that let that growth go next spring so we get some protection out of that and then just farm right through it uh, in a situation where from a herbicide standpoint we can kill that before we plant or we can kill it after we plant granted we're going to have a little issue there with some antagonism with the grass crop if you're going to corn but that's a lot less of an issue than dealing with these gullies that we have to deal with throughout the year and we got a number of growers that are doing this and have been doing this as a farmable waterway seed it down right now again to sow rye or just wheat if you've got it and and let it get established and then just farm right through that plant your crop through it next spring uh, and then uh, again kill it when you whatever size you want to kill it at so if you want it to be a foot tall kill it at a foot you want it two foot tall kill it at two foot but keep them waterways or those runs in place uh, so that soil doesn't get away from us many fields out there are turning green uh, not just from harvest loss but from our winter annuals it's time to start the fall burn downs for you guys in no-till and strip-till um, the last few years you could just drive through the countryside in the spring and you knew exactly who'd put a fall burn down on and who didn't by how much growth and how fast the growth was coming on itself when we do our fall burn downs in our no-till and strip-till it helps us to get more timely in the spring and get a lot better kill with our uh, annual burn down or our spring burn down itself while it does a pretty good job holding back the chickweed and the hen bet the 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 big problem is the new weed uh, that we learned to hate mare's tail that's that's a situation the mare's tail has become the weed to hate especially in reduced and no-till conditions because we can't get it stopped and if we don't get it stopped in the pre-plant situation trying to have a post product to go back and take it out is kind of hard itself so when it comes to mare's tail the saying is you need to start clean and stay clean that's that's really true for mare's tail too many times we're no tilling into a field and the mare's tail is not dead it's just been weakened and when it comes back to life we've got a problem there that uh, is almost destined for a hook or the combine uh, later in that season itself 
don't get me wrong, a, a winter burndown is not going to eliminate mare's tail, but it's going to clean up a lot of the mare's tail that's given us trouble. In the spring of the year, when we come back for our spring burndown, we still got to clean up all the mare's tail that germinated uh, late in the year or germinated in the spring, but they're all going to be the same size. So we got small mare's tail and they're easy to clean up. It's the two and a half, three, four inch tall mare's tail that start to give us a lot of fits. So it's kind of a grouping in that process itself. And it's always the big ones that give us the biggest challenge. So uh, for that weed alone, uh, it's probably worth it. But knowing that you can start, especially if you want to start planting earlier, you can start with a cleaner field and less work for your spring burn down to do. But remember, a, a fall burn down does not eliminate a spring burn down. We're still going to have to be there, but we got more time with it. And it's not going to be very effective on water hemp because that seed's already germinated for the most part. So if you are going beans on beans next year in a field that got away from you for water hemp this year and you plan on using a winter burn down to help you with your water hemp problem next year, you're going to be disappointed because it's just not the right timing for that. But if you're beans on beans next year and you're fighting a mare's tail problem this year, then going to a winter burn down, adding a winter burn down to your program, you're going to like that. It's going to help you manage that mare's tail a lot easier, as well as, of course, the chickweed and the hen bit. But for water hemp, it's probably not that effective. It, don't think that just adding a winter burn down is going to fix your water hemp problems because it won't. One question that I haven't got this week, uh, and I think it's a good thing that I haven't got it, is that question well, uh, temperatures have dropped. Um, can we start our fall anhydrous? And I've been waiting for it, but nobody's asked it. So that's a good sign that we're not even thinking about it. But I know as this weather changes, it will. So remember when we talked about the 4R code of ethics that some of you guys have signed on for, a lot of your retailers have signed on to the 4R code of ethics as trying to help or protect our environment. The 4R code of ethics states that we will not apply fall anhydrous until the maximum daily temperature goes below 50 and the forecast is that it'll stay there. Not 50 degree temperatures at the four inch level for two or three hours like we saw in some places this week. We're talking about maximum. We're not talking about average. We're not talking about minimum. We're talking about maximum temperatures that would stay down there, which is going to push this application typically well into November doesn't uh, always stay below that 50 degrees and a situation meaning that if we pick the first day that we have a maximum temperature below 50 degrees and start uh, without a forecast that's going to keep it there for a week 10 days you know it's a situation where we're, we're going to get ourselves in trouble so let's not get stupid with this thing everyone told the line that way I won't have to get on my soapbox like I did last fall Katie says everybody's doing good at calling their acres in behind the combine. So let's keep that up so our crew can clean them up when get those wrecks turned around uh, and back to you. With that, keep her safe. Keep her moving.